And welcome on into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. A little bit different of a podcast this week because of the holiday. We're doing a little bit more condensed uh, podcasts to obviously get you set for this game, but also because it's a holiday, obviously your schedule is kind of all wonky and so is ours as well. So we're going to do a condensed preview Buccaneers, Colts, Sunday, 1 o'clock, Lucas Oil Stadium. So you are welcoming in and going right to, to behind enemy lines as you do welcome in Scott Reynolds, who does a tremendous job covering the Buccaneers for Pewter Report. Scott, appreciate the time, man. How are you? I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm I'm looking forward to this game. It's going to be interesting because the Buccaneers just coming off of a beating at the hands of the 49ers. And this is the part of the schedule where it's kind of do or die time. It's now or never for the Bucs if they're going to make a playoff run. And, and it sounds crazy for a four and six team to still have playoff aspirations, but that's living in the NFC South, man. It's the hot potato division. <laughs> Nobody wants to win this thing. Just like last year went down to the wire. The Bucks won it with an eight and nine record. I think probably nine and eight gets it this year. It's either going to be the Bucks, the Saints or the Falcons. The Panthers are out of the mix, but uh, they're still alive, but they got to win on Sunday to really stay in the mix because if they fall Another game behind the Falcons and the Saints, then you're talking about desperation time where you have to win out really to to have a chance at winning the division again or making the wild card. That's a perfect segue to start because George and I were just talking about. I think this game for the Colts at five and five is a playoff game because yeah. the the way this matchup is, if you're Gardner Minshew, which you're gonna have to make some plays down the stretch here to win games and get the Colts in the playoffs, like this is one that's tailor-made to you to have success. And if you can't you lose this game at home, even with a favorable schedule and this yeah. being an NFC game. I just don't see the Colts making a run and vice versa. Yeah. Like you said, four and six of the Buccaneers. This also feel like this. I'm, I'm going to say, but from your perspective, Scott, is this a playoff game for the Buccaneers? Yeah, you're kind of approaching that must win uh, category. And you look at these games and I'm sure the Colts feel the same way about the Buccaneers. This is a, a winnable game, right? This is a beatable opponent. And when you look at, at how it sets up, the Buccaneers – Toughest games might be at Green Bay in a couple weeks just because of the weather and the elements. You never know what's going to happen in the the frozen tundra of Lambeau in December. Then you got the Jacksonville Jaguars on Christmas Eve at home. Other than that, you've got two games against the Panthers. You've got a a return game at Tampa against the Saints. That's a double whammy, right? You beat them. It knocks them down a peg and you elevate. Same thing with with the Falcons. They're going to have to win in Atlanta to really kind of uh, make up for that loss in Tampa. But when when you look at at the Buccaneers um, and Colts game, this is a a winnable game for Tampa Bay. The problem is the Texans game was a winnable game. They had a lead with 45 seconds left and lost it. The Falcons game was a winnable game, and they lost that on a last-second field goal, 16-13 at home. Now, they did beat the Saints in New Orleans, right? And they they did beat the Titans. So they're kind of two-and-two in winnable games, and I just don't have a read on which Buccaneer team is going to show up, the one that that crushed the Titans or the one that, you know, crapped the bed in, in Houston. Is there much concern over the travel right now with this team? I mean, you're going cross-country just last week, and now you come back and you have know, the holiday week and, and another road game. Is is that a concern at all? I don't think so. I think the Tampa Bay does travel pretty well just in terms of, of uh, you know, that like they didn't come out flat or anything in San Francisco. And it was a close game. I think it was 13-7 at the half. So th- this team has a lot of fight in them, and they don't quit. They don't give up. Um, it just th- they don't make enough plays, right? We saw a couple drop touchdowns last week in San Francisco, also a couple dropped interceptions by the 49ers, to be fair. Um, 
but they they just have have a, a way of of shooting themselves in the foot. One game it'll be penalties; they'll have like nine or ten penalties, right? And then another game, um, they won't have any takeaways. And really, the the margin for error is so slim in Tampa that the defense has to come through. They, first of all, they have to win the turnover ratio in every game to really have a chance. And going even back to Week One in Minnesota, when they did beat a full strength Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson type, uh, you know, uh, uh, Vikings team. It was a situation where they had a three nothing turnover ratio, and believe it or not, they only beat the Vikings by three points. Usually, when you have a three nothing turnover ratio, you're beating a team by three touchdowns, not three points. So that was something that that in week one you're like, wow, okay, this team, the defense is going to have to help the offense because we don't score a lot of points down here in Tampa. It's not like Tom Brady years where it was thirty points every week. It's a whole different uh, ball game now, and and so I, I think that's that's going to be a real critical thing. I know it's kind of trite. It's you know we've got to win the turnover ratio, but it, it really means something to this Buccaneer team because the margin of error is so slim. One of the reasons for the margin of error being slim, Scott, is the lack of a run game and the Colts yeah. like concern because they are missing one of their stout run defenders in Grover Stewart, who's still serving yeah. a six game PED suspension. But like that's been something that's plagued this team for a while, not just this season, but oh, yeah. again, dead last in rushing. What if, like, why? Why is it the fact that just the Buccaneers, whether it's Tom Brady or now Baker Mayfield, yeah. they just can't run the ball? I, at, at this juncture, I'm going to say it's coaching because the same offensive line coaches have been in place. And these were the guys from the Bruce Arians, um, you know, coaching staff, the original one in 2019 when he came to Tampa. Um, Joe Gilbert, who spent some time in Indianapolis, and and then Harold Goodwin. And Bruce Arians was was the quarterback whisperer, right? He was it's a pass first offense, even with James Winston in 2019. Certainly under Tom Brady with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronk and AB, it was pass first. So I just don't think that they they put the uh, the emphasis on it uh, as much uh, during those Bruce Arians years. And as a result, Tampa Bay has been a, a tremendously good pass protection team. Our pass protection down here is is something to behold. I mean, it don't give up a lot of sacks. Baker Mayfield's a bit of a magician when there is pressure, gets out of a lot of those himself. But I just don't think that that they have the coaches that really understand and know how to implement that that kind of ground game that Todd Bowles wants and craves. They've been trying it now for the the last two years. They the switch coordinators from Byron Leftwich to Dave Canales, but the constant is the offensive line coaches. And if Todd Bowles does return next year, and that's up in the air, I do think there will be some some coaching changes to the staff. Looking at, at the way the season has gone in, in Tampa, you got off that 3-1 start, and I know everybody was looking at maybe one of the surprise teams in the league, and you had that early bye. Since then, just 1-5, yeah. is it just the turnover ratio? What, what has changed in the last six weeks as compared to those first four? I think that, you know, not to make excuses, but they've played better teams, right? I mean, uh, their only loss in that first four games was against the Eagles, right? You looked at the schedule early on before you even knew what this Buccaneer team was going to be, and you could just circle the L's, like the automatic L's, Eagles, Lions, Bills, and 49ers. Like those are the ones that just jump out, and guess what? No surprise, they're 0-4 in those games. And they played three of those teams after the bye. So when you're talking about those numbers – you're looking at those losses to Buffalo, to the 49ers, and to the Lions. Those are some of the more elite teams. Maybe the Bills are questionable this year, but certainly just better than the Buccaneers. And that game was on Thursday night in Buffalo. It's a tough environment. Um, 
Otherwise, you're looking at the class of the NFC, the Eagles, the Lions, the 49ers. And so that tells part of the tale. But but again, also, too, a couple of those those losses were against beatable teams, winnable games, right? The, the, the Falcons at home losing that 16 to 13. They had no business losing that game. Um, at the same time, three of, of the Falcons turnovers happened within the red zone and two of them happened within the five yard line. So it, it actually could have been even worse than 16 to 13. The offense has taken some time to really kind of gel and get on the same page. And it's not just a new coordinator. It's a new quarterback in Baker Mayfield. It's three new starters on the offensive line. It's a new starting running back, right? And it just, it takes some time to, to integrate all of that. And when I say a new play caller, I mean a rookie play caller in Dave Canales. This is his first time doing it. So there has not been a lot of continuity. And, you know, going back to, to the running game, in the modern-day NFL, maybe I'm dating myself here because I'm 51, but when I first started covering the Buccaneers in 95, I walked in the door with Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. I mean, they had they were fresh off of three-a-day training camp practices, right, under Ray Perkins, right? And 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 then Sam Weish brought a little sanity to the table and said, we're just going to do two-a-days. Well, back then, two-a-days were full-on two-hour practices twice a day in the heat. And it was just a tougher brand of football back then. And you could work on the running game because you went live in some periods in training camp. And you just don't do that anymore, right? The OTAs, the, the mini camps, uh, it's, it's flag football is really what it is. And, and then even in training camp, you might have one or two live periods, tackling periods for five minutes in all of training camp. And, and then, as we know right now, it's November. There's no padded practices, right? So the only way you're going to get better at the running game is to do it on Sundays. That's the only, like for three hours, that's the only time you have to really truly work at 100% full speed physicality on the run game. And that's why it takes so much time. And even Dave Canales told us at the beginning of the year, we might not be able to get this running game going until mid-season because it's going to take some time because you can only do so much in practice. It's steps, it's hand placement, but you're not going full-on physicality. And, and that's really what it, what it requires because you're trying to move grown men and, and move that line of scrimmage on Sundays. Scott, this George and I were just talking before. This feels, from the Colts' perspective, very reminiscent to the Saints game a few weeks ago in the sense that we were talking about an offense that was talented, right? You had Michael Thomas, yep. Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara, Derek Carr. But they the Saints have really yet up to that point the, a few weeks ago put a consistent offensive performance together. They go yeah. to Lucas Oil Stadium, drop 38 points. It feels like we're kind of talking about the same thing with the Buccaneers here where you look on paper – I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Baker's had success. Rashad White's been tremendous out of the backfield as well. Is Do you look at this Buccaneers offense and say they're close? Or is it still like they are pretty far from kind of reaching their peak right now potential offensively? I think they're closer. That 37-point outburst they had against the Texans, nobody saw that coming. But they did really put some things together there. It's such a shame, right, that they lost that game because you would think, for a team that was struggling to score points, if you had told me before the game, hey, I got some inside information, Scott, the Bucs are going to score 37 points. I'm probably putting my house <laughs> and all of my bank accounts on the line and going full on in in Tampa Bay. And I'm glad I didn't because I would have lost because they lost 39-37 to the Texans. C.J. Stroud had a day. So to me, um, it's a little surprising. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. Tom Brady comes in, you insert him in. And, and everything takes off. But the difference back then in 2020 is you're talking about Tom Brady, one of the most football IQ, the highest, you know, 
almost a, a Mensa type uh, football IQ in that guy. And, and everything had been the same, right? This is Bruce Arians offense, um, same offensive line, same personnel, et cetera. And you're dropping Tom in this year. It's, it's the new coordinator, the new system, the new offensive line. Everything is new, new, new across the board. And it just takes some time for, for it to gel. I think they're certainly further along. And I think Dave Canales, not only is he learning this personnel, he's learning how to call plays against a, a coordinator. It's it's one thing to have that 15-play script. Okay, well, what happens when you get punched in the mouth, right? You, you better have a plan to to deal with that. And I think that's what he's going through, some kind of growing pains as well. And that's kind of slowing the growth process a little bit because he doesn't have the experience to draw from about, oh, okay, well, I, when this happened in this game, you know, a couple of years ago, I did this and this is how I've, I, you know, this was the answer to that test. He doesn't really have a lot of play calling experience to draw from. He was never a play caller at the NFL level or the college level. So th- this is kind of uh, on the job training, so to speak. And I, I think that that combined with all of these new moving parts, it's it's slowing down the offense. And it, I don't know if he's going to end up sticking around. If Todd Bowles gets fired, he, he probably doesn't. But I think he's got some potential as a play caller. I really do. I think that he's a smart guy. It's just his lack of experience works against him an awful lot. And last one for me, obviously the Colts passing game has struggled particularly in the last couple of weeks uh, for them. The Bucks have struggled on, on the defensive side of the passing oh, yeah. game. But do you put more of that on the secondary, miscommunications, blown assignments, or is it more not being able to get home up front? It's both, it, and it's it's everything. It's it's the wrong play calls at the wrong time against the wrong schemes or the right schemes if you're on the offensive side. It's breakdowns physically, right? Athletically, it's it's guys just not getting to their landmarks and zone coverage at the right time, and they're giving up big plays. Um, and and then also too, there's also some injuries to consider. The Buccaneers lost three starters in the second half to the 49ers. Levante David, who's having a a fantastic season at age 33. It's like, you know, he is he is fighting father time and winning <laughs> right now. Um, he's playing the best football that he's played in a couple of years at age 33 and leading the team in tackles. He suffered a groin injury. His status is, is going to be questionable for Sunday. Both starting cornerbacks, very high paid guys, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, both suffered injuries in the second half against the 49ers. They're both questionable with a foot Injury. I'm sorry, an ankle injury for Jamel Dean. Carlton Davis has got a hip injury. So this is going to be kind of a, a whole brand new secondary, possibly. You might have Antoine Winfield Jr., who's been an absolute stud, probably the best player on defense this year for the Bucks, And Kayvon Merriweather, a rookie from Iowa. Uh, Josh Hayes, a rookie from Kansas State. And... Zion McCollum, a second-year guy from Sam Houston State. That might be the secondary. <laughs> oh, and a, a rookie nickel in Christian Isian. So Gardner Minshew might have a day on Sunday just due to the lack of inexperience and, more importantly, the, the, the lack of cohesion in that secondary, right? You can drop some talented guys in, but if they never, never played together, uh, it, it takes a lot of coordination there. And then up front, it's been hit or miss with the pass rush. Uh, it, it, Todd Bowles really has, has had to, to bring some pressure and probably will have to do that in some strategic spots on Sunday. The problem is when you bring pressure, all of a sudden you're in man coverage. Now you're asking Josh Hayes to, to man cover. You're asking Zion McCollum. You're asking your safety, Kayvon Merriweather, rookie, to man cover. And and that, that's that's where you, you invite some problems if you're going up against 
good receivers. And so the front four has been a disappointment overall. Um, Todd Bowles has not been able to get the steady pressure that he's used to getting with the front four. It's caused him to blitz a little bit more. And then other times, because he's gotten burned, he doesn't blitz and goes into soft zone coverage. And then you have a C.J. Stroud had that kind of day. You have Brock Purdy with a perfect quarterback rating um, on, on Sunday. So it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't right now. And, it, and it's double damning for Todd Bowles because not, not only is he the head coach, he's also the defensive play caller. On that note, Scott, to wrap up, how do you expect defensively the Buccaneers to attack this offense? Because obviously it offensively, the Colts want Jonathan Taylor to have success. Yeah. He's their best offensive player. Gardner Minshew has been turnover prone when he's kind of been unleashed, if you will. Yeah. But you mentioned just right now with, with the secondary, what it could look like with a lot of unproven players. Do you expect Todd Bowles to kind of sell out to stop the run in Jonathan Taylor? Or is it one of those where, you know what, maybe dropping seven here most of the game and kind of going away from the blitz is more suited in this matchup? I almost think that he's going to be dropping. Um, and, and I think if the starting cornerbacks end up playing, I don't think they will. I think he would be more apt to trust the secondary to hold up and maybe put more resources to stopping Jonathan Taylor. But typically what Bowles has done is instead of playing to his team's strength, which is man coverage on the outside and blitzing, he has decided to protect the weakness and play really conservative. And it goes against, I think, what he wants to do. And honestly, I, I think it's I, I think it's it's a bad ploy because I'm kind of a damn the torpedoes kind of guy, right? Like if you're gonna go out, like go out, you know, with emptying both barrels and go down swinging. But Todd seems a little bit risk averse, maybe it's because he's the head coach as well, and he's doing some of this for for you know job security. But it, it you know w- what's the old saying when you play prevent defense, it prevents you from winning. And I think that that's what happened against the Houston Texans, a prime example, and. I could see that happening against the Colts where Jonathan Taylor, uh, they'll try to stop him with a modest front instead of bringing resources down. And and if Taylor starts having a day, then he'll bring the resources down. Then Gardner Minshew might have a day. So I don't know. I, this is a game where I, I think the, the Colts probably win this just because of the injuries, because of the indecisiveness about how Todd Bowles wants to attack. And it's like you, you, it's like when you're pass rushing, you have to be dedicated to your move, whether it's going to be an inside spin, whether it's going to be uh, a club rip to the outside. If you're not dedicated, you're not going to get to the to the quarterback because hesitancy is the is the ultimate killer. And I think Todd Bowles, you know, trying to to play whack a mole, which is stop Jonathan Taylor, but also play good coverage. he's kind of in no man's land. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they do. I think the only way the Buccaneers win this game is to truly get those, those takeaways and, and really either luck out with some or force Baker force um, uh, Gardner Minshew to make some mistakes offensively. The Buccaneers do a very good job of protecting the ball. And I know the Colts don't do a good job of taking it away. So this, this is one of those games where really the team that screws up the most and has the most self-inflicted wounds is going to be the loser. And that very well could be Tampa Bay. And it feels like the loser goes home. One of those loser leaves yeah. town showdowns here at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. Damn the game. torpedoes, burn the yeah. boats, Scott, all of them. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Two hungry teams for sure on Sunday. That The intensity, I think, will be unmatched without a doubt. It's going to be very interesting, very fun watch here on this Thanksgiving weekend. Scott, should be a good one. Appreciate the time. Thanks so much for uh, becoming, uh, coming on Behind Enemy Lines. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Have a great Thanksgiving. And we'll go back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Appreciate Scott. Does a tremendous job covering the Buccaneers with some tremendous info there. And George, not to 
may, well, I mean, you know, no, sometimes I think we got to simplify things because I think football, it's easy to overcomplicate it, get too much in the weeds. Is it, let me ask you this question because Scott kind of said it here. Is it as simple as whoever wins a turnover battle wins the game? Feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, it's sort of been ball teams MO all, all season long. I mean, the, the Bucks are four and six, and I bet if you go back and look, they're they're pretty much win the games when when they win the turnover battle and lose the ones when they don't. Colts are five and five. They're five and zero oh when they win the turnover battle. They're own five when they don't. I mean, it's a pretty pretty cut and dry <laughs> right there. Sometimes you don't have to look much further than that. But I think you know, going into the big picture, it just feels that way. There are things the Colts can take advantage of with this Tampa defense. There are things Tampa can take advantage of with this Colts defense and really the defense that's able to force the ball out, get a short field for their, their offense, probably going to be the one that wins this game. And especially too, with the injuries to the secondary for Tampa, we just heard Scott explain, like, again, that even harps on more for Baker, not only to have success, but protect the ball. You know, there's no ball Hawks in that secondary that are going to bait you into making bad throws. It's a lot of unproven guys. If again, it's still early, it's Tuesday. So we'll see how the injury report does shake out here for Tampa as we get closer to Sunday. But if those veteran DBs are not expected to play, and now you have guys, again, that are young, that are inexperienced, it's more for them survival than baiting or anything else. Like, you got to be able to take advantage of that inexperience in the secondary, not only torture them for success, but also, again, make sure you're not giving them freebies here in the turnover battle. And Colts saw the other side of that in the last two home games. I mean, a lot of what happened against Cleveland and New Orleans were new faces being plugged in, in the secondary and that cohesion that Scott was talking about not being there, you know, they gave up what 38 and 37, I think, or 39 and 38 in those two games. Um, you, you, a lot of that had to do with miscommunication on the back end and giving up a big play because, you know, somebody thought this was the coverage and somebody else thought that was the coverage. And here's a receiver running, you know, in free space and, and, and touchdowns, you know, th- those will kill you. Uh, those kind of mistakes. And I think that's what you're going to see potentially from Tampa. But I thought one of the most interesting answers, and it, it was a great question by you, how is Todd Bowles going to play this offense? And if they really do drop back to cover that young secondary, I think that's playing into the Colts' hands, not just because there's more room for Taylor to run than there would have been probably all season, but because Gardner's strength is is throwing underneath. So they drop back and they blitz him and they leave that cushion underneath. I think that is perfect for Gardner mentioned. You are right. He is definitely a dump off sort of guy, which again makes Jonathan Taylor out of the backfield really still on a watch in this offense. But like that's again where it's like the defensively, Todd Bowles does sound like someone who is confused. Which again, if you're the Colts, that is if you don't know what you want to do, that gives you such a big time advantage. And again, it harps on the reason why you cannot lose this turnover battle. But also, I think, also shows the importance of not only chewing up yards between the 20s here, but once you get into the red zone, really coming through. To their credit, they have been locked down, the Buccaneers, that is, uh, with their red zone defense, the best in the NFL. So they may be confused. They may give you yards from 20 to 20. But as soon as you cross the 20 and in the red zone, they do a really good job of locking down. Now, again, with inexperienced corners, that may may you know may make that uh, red zone defense harder to execute. But especially, like I said, getting Gardner in a rhythm too, having him feel comfortable, which is another thing, George. I know the Patriots didn't blitz a lot in Germany, and he was still, again, running backwards with no real pass rush. But if you're a Shane Sykin, you can 
in this bye week, get Gardner off of that mindset here, and Tampa continues to rush four, and the Colts block it up well, he should feel, should feel comfortable in the pocket, which again, allows him to be confident and decisive in where he goes with the ball, which should again, result in positive plays for this Colts offense. If Gardner can feel comfortable, which means if the Tampa is not blitzing and getting home, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to take advantage of the secondary in the back end. Absolutely. The opportunity is there. I think that's what, you know, and go back to the, to the last pod that we did that should be out at the same time. Uh, you can you can look at that and the conversation we had there. That's what this game's all about. This is a big time opportunity for this football team. Get a home win. Get to a three game winning streak. Get the second half of the season started off on the right foot. Improve your chances in an AFC race that is wide open and insane right now. All of those things on the table against a team that you can beat but not a team that you would circle as a win. I, I think that's the interesting thing. I think both teams come in here feeling like this is a winnable game, uh, but neither one of them has it you know, marked down in the win column ahead of time. Right, right. It feels a lot like the Saints game where it's like, yeah, they sh- like you could see them. Like, honestly, George, like, I feel like flipping a coin may be the best way to pick this game because like, it, there is like plenty of reason on both sides for optimism, but also pessimism – as well when it comes to feeling confident about who's going to win this game. And I think one of the first things Scott says, too, is important. This is a playoff game, not only for the Colts, but for the Buccaneers. Again, at four and six, this is kind of their last stand. So going back to that Saints game, which, again, I think Scott also reiterated, it feels like a do-over for the Colts of that game against New Orleans the last time they were home and a chance to make right on how bad they were, especially defensively. We talked about because of the same struggles going to that game, right? That, hey, if the Colts get off to a good start, maybe there's infighting. Maybe you can already mentally put the Saints out of the game in the first quarter. Now, the Colts, to their credit, did that in getting out to a 17-7 to lead. But then the last three quarters, Saints just kicked their ass. Flat out, just beat them up and down the field. Especially defensively, they could not get a stop. So especially to George, I mean, the game's not over in the first quarter. I'm not saying if you get out to a good start here, the game's over. But you know Tampa is coming in hungry and motivated. So getting off to a fast start just to prevent from getting, you know, out to a 10-0 deficit, just matching that energy from the Bucs is going to be huge here. You're at home off a bye at 5-5 five and five with the playoffs right in front of you. There is no excuse, George, none, for this team to come out flat whatsoever. They bare minimum have to match the energy you know Tampa is going to come out with on Sunday. Yeah, again, replay of the Saints game in so many ways. A lot of the same challenges on the field and a lot of the same challenges off the field. Two teams that, that badly need a win. Tampa Bay feeling like rightly that, that this is you know a must-win game because even though that division has been very forgiving the last two years, if you drop the four and seven, and you heard Scott say they won it eight and nine last year. That That's two losses that you can afford the rest of the way. Uh but maybe just one, you know, maybe it is nine and eight that, that gets it done this year. So, and they've got some other tough contests coming up, as he mentioned. So I think you absolutely, if you're Tampa Bay, you've got to win this game. And from a Colts standpoint, you have to have the same mentality. Uh, even though, as I said, I think Tampa and Atlanta are almost bonus games. You, you take care of business in your AFC games. You're, you're probably okay. But I think you've got to come out and set that tone on, on Sunday and, to do that, you've got to win a winnable game. Colts have not done that at home this year at all. I think that's the biggest element here. Uh, you won and four at home. 
The Cleveland game was there for the taking. The New Orleans game was there for the taking. You're three and two right there. You know, you just just take care of business on those games. Even week one with Jacksonville, at times, that game was there for the taking. These close losses at home have got to end. You're not going to make the playoffs. You keep losing one possession games at home, which is what they've done a lot of so far this season. I mean, they were winning going to the fourth quarter against Jacksonville. Now, again, the Jaguars come back there. Well, we thought they were a great team after that week one game. They've kind of come back to earth offensively a little bit as well for most of the season. But like, you're right. Like you just take care of business at home. This team is in a much better spot, but also to like go on just one thing here before we make our picks, like the bonus game with the Bucks and the Falcons. I think if you're the Colts too, especially Shane Sykin, I'm sure he was watching the red zone game a free plug here on Sunday, where you watch, I'm sure during the bye week, the rest of the AFC. And it's like, if you, if you're the Colts right now, watch it. It's like, you look at what you saw on Sunday. It's like, this is why, like, this is, this is ours for the taking. Again, you see, you know, the Bengals unfortunately lose Joe Burrow. You see the way, you know, the Steelers lose to the Browns with no offense. Like if you look around, you're like, oh my God, we can, I mean, even the Texans, you beat them once already. And they struggled against the Cardinals and had to pull one out here. It's like the teams directly in front of you and behind you. It's like, there's not a lot of separation here. This is a chance where against a winnable team at, at Tampa, you want to be a playoff team. You win a game like this going forward here and really kind of plant your flag as, hey, we're in this to win it. That's an opportunity where the rest of the AFC has allowed you to be in the race, right? We thought going into the year that one, the Colts are not going to be a playoff team, but two, at five and five through 10 games, they, Maybe you're on the fringe of a playoff race, but we thought this AFC was going to be deep. It was going to be a gauntlet. There was going to be like 10 teams that are vying to win 10 games. And it's like you look around and go, this is not gonna, this has not as been as deep or as tough of a conference as we thought back in July and August. This is a great, great opportunity for the Colts to take advantage of that, benefit from the underperformance of other teams. Win a game at home that you should. It's a toss-up, but again, you're at home off a bye. Win this game, and now all of a sudden, let's go to Tennessee, Georgia, the real chance to be 7-5, and and grabbing, going into December here, a playoff spot in your hands. Let's go. Let's go. Keep the momentum. I mean, you're on a two-game winning streak, and and that's what the Colts have been talking about, really, for when they were 3-5, and was get a win and then see what that turns into. And right now, it's – a really big opportunity in front of them is what's turned into uh quick plug too from, from your side of things. I think Colts fans on, on Sunday, you're going to be watching the Bucks game, obviously trying to see what the Colts are taking care of their business. Then you can tune into CBS radio and listen to Ryan Hickey and follow what else is going on in this mosh pit right now. That is the AFC. It is. Thank you for that, George. Yes. I will be hosting our, our, Red zone coverage, if you will, on radio, CBS Sports Radio, which also means, unfortunately, that there's going to be no live YouTube post game show. Instead, we're just going to record a pod late at night. So if you are a audio only listener, number one, subscribe to the YouTube page. That's where you can get instant analysis from me and George seconds after the final uh, ticker does sound or final horn does sound after every Sunday. You're lucky this week to catch a break if you haven't subscribed to YouTube yet already. Because we were just going to be doing a normal podcast. You can still watch on YouTube. It will be uploaded there, but also will be in podcast form audio-wise. I'll be dropping late Sunday evening. So check out, uh, check that out for one time and one time only this Sunday. But normally, every Sunday going forward here, we will have live post-game shows after the game live on YouTube. So make sure you do check that out wherever you do get your podcasts. 
Um, so thank you for that, George. But this also means a schedule, slight schedule change here. But you got some big games here. Steelers, Bengals, two teams running the playoff race. One is going to lose. And again, there's some other big time games. Jacksonville, Houston's a big one as well, where another team in front of you is going to lose. So, you know, bare minimum, George, either a team directly behind you or at least one, maybe two teams in front of you are losing on Sunday, which again, highlights the importance right now with seven weeks to go. Every game truly, truly here is massive. And for the Colts, I think it really starts your playoff push here. Starts with a win on Sunday. So you heard Scott just before pick the Colts to win. Now it doesn't sound confident, which I think is very fair. Um, This is truly a toss-up game, but he does expect the Colts to win this game, George. You, sir, are the leader in the picks. Colts may be 5-5, and but your pick record is 6-4. and You have been right now a playoff game or playoff team when it comes to picking correctly. You are on a two-game winning streak, just like the Colts are. Um, In this game, Vegas has the Colts right now as a two-point home favorite against the Buccaneers. What are you thinking? What are you picking? I think it's going to be a really hard game to pick, and I think that's what Scott kind of laid out. You know, I really do think it's going to come down to turnover margin. I know we started this segment by saying, is it really as simple as that? But with these two teams, it has been all year long, as simple as that. Uh, I do think it could be a shootout. You know, normally we're, we're talking about low scoring games and, and then they turn into shootouts. So that we were right about New England. That, that played out pretty much the, the way we expected. Well, I think- you got it right. I said 31 <laughs> 13. I thought it was a blowout city running all over it. You, with your 12 field goal prediction, was way closer than I was. <laughs> It was a field goal fest to the extent there was any scoring in that game. That's for sure. Uh, but I do think this one has has that ability to be a shootout. I mean, I think Baker, what he does well, uh, matches up well against this this Colts secondary, uh, especially with those receivers that he's got at his disposal. And I think the Colts, especially if if Tampa Bay does in fact drop back in coverage, try to hide those those rookie corners. Uh, I think that plays into the Colts' hands as well. So. I think it's a shootout kind of a game. I think it could be two factors. Who wins turnover battle and who has the ball last. I'm going to go with the home team in a game like that because most time in the league, if it's close, that's that's where you go. So I'm going to pick the Colts. I think it's going to be a nail-biter the whole way. I'm going to say Indianapolis wins 31-28. to Oh, real shootout. I like that. Um, let me just write that down. So we got it for the record. 31-28. Um, I am in agreement with a lot of what you said. I think this is going to be a higher scoring game. I think it's going to be a close game. I'm saying 27-24. Colts win. They beat the Bucks. It is going to be a back and forth game. I don't see a blowout either way. I do see both defenses struggling at times to stop the other offense. Um, but in the end, like I said, I just right now this Buccaneers defense is out of whack. Injuries are hurting them. I think the Colts right now are primed to win this game. Again, you're at home off the bye. And I do trust Shane Sykin for how bad the offense was the last two weeks. I do trust he's back in the lab two weeks to prepare. I think he's going to have some wrinkles up his sleeve here for this game specifically and get Gardner Minshew back on track. So I do think that the bye really does favor the Colts in this specific matchup um, as well. So Shane can have some, some tricks up his sleeve. And the Colts offense gets back on track after two rough weeks. 27-24, Colts beat the Bucks. It's going to be a joyous post-game pod here, George. And we could, depending on how things shake out here. Let me just triple-check this um, 
this playoff standing to have in front of me. Yeah, the, the Steelers lose right now. We could be talking about it. The Steelers and Texans go down. That That's where your rooting interest is right now. You're rooting for Jacksonville and the Bengals on Sunday. And rooting for the Eagles as well as they take the Bills. Colts right now in ninth place. Steelers lose, Bills lose. We're talking about George, a playoff team right now going into that game against Houston. How about How crazy that? Is that? That's insane. I mean, when 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 you look at you know where we thought this team would be at the start of the year and where they are right now, and I also think something we we really didn't cover in here these pods, uh, but you kind of mentioned on it just just a minute ago. This is the first chance to see Steichen out of a bye. We don't know. We talk about head coaches all the time what their record is after a bye. This is the first opportunity to see you know how he does with two weeks to to scout an opponent. The, I think that's a big element of this game as well. Absolutely, and hopefully not just scouting the Bucks, but also self-scouting this offense and mm. figuring out how to get Gardner Major comfortable here. He, look, he's given you no reason to doubt, right? So far, he's been tremendous with what he's doing. The fact that the Colts are 5-5 five and five with Gardner Minshew playing all but one game is, a I was going to say a minor miracle. It's a major miracle <laughs> so far. And so very excited to see how he is. Hopefully, he's like Andy Reid 2.0 here, where he's just elite out of the bye, get a win. And George, it could be, yeah, this, the way things shake out here, Bills playing the Eagles, really tough game. Steelers now, that's again, first game without Joe Burrow for the Bengals, full game without Joe Burrow for the Bengals. Jake Branning will, will make his first career start. But again, divisional game, and I believe that's in Cincinnati, should be a, one where it should be a tough Steelers Bengals game. Bengals win, Bills win. Oh, Bell, Bengals win, Bills lose. George, let's go. Stop the season right there. This is the kind of game, though, you always talk about every coach every year. You know, you want to catch fire after Thanksgiving. Technically, this game's after Thanksgiving. Uh, this is the kind of game that, that causes that. You get this win. You go into Tennessee with a world of momentum. You got a couple winnable games on the road coming after this. This is the type of thing where, where you can put yourself in really good shape. You win this game, and then you take care of business the next two weeks. This is where, again, it's a little difficult just because, obviously, again, it's Minshew, not Richardson. But as a team, like this is where you could truly tell if you are actually going forward here a real contender. I mean, again, the schedule is beneficial to where you should bare minimum be competitive in all seven games. But it is one of those where it's like, like I said, I think real teams, real playoff teams, and eventually real Super Bowl contenders really separate themselves this upcoming weekend. After Thanksgiving is where the true big boys do come out. And for this season, with the way the schedule lays out, that should be one, you know, that should be a situation where we see the Colts do show up, do play well, and do round into form here. Um, but that going forward is definitely gonna be something to watch. And I think you see all the great teams really peak at this time of the year. This is the first chance of the Colts to really send a message going forward that they're here to be serious contenders and not just happy to be there in the playoff race itself. Should be a really fun game. Lucas Oil should be rocking. George, and this is again, this is, I don't think it's crazy to say or hyperbolic to say, this is a playoff game. This is a it playoff is. game for the Colts. And the fans need to come out, make it a playoff atmosphere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with two road games coming up here. After that, won't be home for a while. Make it loud. Make Baker Mayfield be yelling at guys. Make the offensive line flinch. Make Todd Bowles panic. As he Well, he's always very stoic on the sideline. doesn't um, emit any emotion. But internally, make him panic. Get the place rocking. Let's go. Let's go, George. Should be a really fun atmosphere. Again, as a reminder, this week is just a wacky week in terms of programming. Our, our preview is out earlier 
um, than usual. And also, unfortunately, our post-game reactions will be a little bit later than usual this Sunday. Sunday night, it'll be dropped wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Both uh, platforms will be utilized to drop our show. So no live show this Sunday, but that will change going forward the rest of the season. So do not worry about that. So with that said, really quick here, George, Thanksgiving meal, what is going to be on the, uh, what's going to be on the plate here? Normal, traditional Thanksgiving. You guys, the Bremers do it a little crazy. No, it's very traditional. Go up to my in-laws and uh, we'll have turkey and mashed potatoes, which is the, the, the wonky thing for us is, is our 11-year-old. You know, most kids that age, they want pizza, they want you know, pasta, they want all that kind of stuff. Her favorite things are baked potatoes and salads. So I'm sure mashed potatoes are going to be huge with her. Wow. Uh, you know, for me, it, it, it's going to be heavy, heavy turkey day, you know, because got to get that taken care of, get those – Get ready for the for the big game on Sunday. Get that protein. Load up, load up for Sunday. I am, I'm with those kids. Not your daughter, but with those kids. I Thanksgiving is not my holiday, to be honest. I like mashed potatoes. I like stuffing. I like biscuits with some butter. Otherwise, not a turkey guy. Not a a green bean casserole guy. Not a cranberry sauce guy. I'll be honest, George. Thanksgiving is my least favorite holiday. Because most yeah. of the food I am not a fan of. I'm a very picky eater. I, I Even though I'm almost 30 years old, I eat like I'm 10. But you can get football on, on, on things. It's, it's a great football holiday. That, and now a Black Friday football game. Which... Without, without Aaron Rodgers. That, that's the sale price there. That one, you get a discounted Jets team on Black Friday. Tim Boyle. Sign. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Oh, that's you're right. Discounted Jets. That is very that's really good, George. I like you should use that again. That's good. You were right about that. So have a great Thanksgiving holiday. Appreciate you listening to us right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll be back with hopefully what is a positive, joyous post-game pod. But either way, we'll be back Sunday night. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game Sunday. We'll talk to you Sunday night right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.